Welcome to Investing Insights for the Modern Investor, a quarterly podcast to help you become a better investor so that you can grow and protect your wealth. I cover investment topics including portfolio design, cutting-edge investment strategies, risk management, and any topic relevant to creating better long-term investing results. This podcast is a companion to Three Summit Investment Management's quarterly Investing Insight newsletter. For more information about Three Summit Investment Management and to subscribe to Investing Insights, please go to our website at www.threesummit.com. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Investments involve risk. Be sure to first consult with a qualified investment manager or tax professional before implementing any strategy. This podcast is not intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. I am Dan Irvine, the founder and principal of Three Summit Investment Management. Thank you for listening. Greetings, friends, and thank you for joining me again this quarter. I have a fun topic for you today, but before I jump into that, I wanted to announce the release of a new video series that we have been working very hard on. So I thought I'd open this episode by playing a short introduction clip for our new video series, and I'll catch you on the other side of that. Recently, we took a trip to our favorite secret place that's hidden in the Lost Creek Wilderness area about two hours west of Three Summit Investment Management's Denver office. Hidden above a river valley is an enormous and rare granite arch. The arch goes unnoticed by most who pass through the valley because there are only a few locations from the trail that the arch can be spotted high above. Even fewer people who may know about the arch visit it because there are no trails and the climb to the arch is steep over difficult terrain. After our climb to the arch, as we enjoyed the payoff of being alone in this beautiful hidden place, we thought about the parallels between where we sat enjoying the views and our investing philosophy and the investment process we have designed to manage our clients' assets. Just as we have devoted energy to finding and exploring the hidden places of the great outdoors, we have spent more than a decade researching financial markets in search of the most important investing secrets. We discovered early in our outdoor adventures and in investing that finding the secrets hidden from the masses can allow you to profit from knowing what others do not. To perform better than the crowd, the most successful investors understand that they must depart from the path most traveled and be willing to do the research required to find and capitalize on the investing secrets that others do not know or understand. High reward can come from knowing what others do not. After our trip to Lost Creek, we decided to reveal the secrets of investing that we have uncovered through our extensive investing research. We are going to share with you the secrets that we use to build modern investment portfolios for ourselves and our clients. We have created a five-part video series to share these investing secrets with you. We are confident 
that what you learn in the video series will surprise you and change the way that you think about investing. The video series is designed to give you the knowledge necessary to blaze a new and better trail towards investing success. We explain the investing secrets to you and why they remain hidden from investors. And finally, we show you how to profit from the investing secrets through modern investment portfolio design. Learning these investing secrets can dramatically decrease the investment risk that you take and at the same time increase your long-term returns. Follow the link in the show notes or go to 3summit.com forward slash secrets to view our video series called The Five Secrets of High Performance Investing and be prepared to be surprised by what you learn. All right, I'm back. I have to tell you all, I personally am very happy with how the video series came out. And I encourage you all to check it out as we loaded the series with a huge amount of valuable investing information. The investing series was designed for investors of all skill levels. So I hope you go check it out. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes that will take you directly to the video series. You can also go straight to our website at threesummit.com forward slash secrets and that will take you right to the video series. All right, with that programming note complete, let's jump in to this quarter's topic. We are going to be talking about speculating in stocks. Most of us have all dreamed of picking that one or small handful of stocks that generates massive game-changing returns for us. Another way to describe this dream is investing success through stock speculation. While I generally do not think that stock speculation is a prudent investment approach, I do believe that there is a right way and a wrong way to speculate. Most speculators use the wrong approach. By using the wrong approach, they virtually guarantee themselves that they will never achieve the massive returns that they seek. And in fact, they are highly likely to underperform the stock market as a whole. For those of you who follow Three Summits research, you know we strongly believe that superior returns come from decreasing a portfolio's risk, not increasing it through stock speculation or what we would consider excessive allocations to stock risk. We believe risk reduction, when done properly, increases your potential long-term returns. And we also believe that risk management is an underutilized source of additional returns in most portfolios. So with this in mind, it might come as a surprise to you when I tell you that I am actually not totally against investors trying to hit a home run by seeking to earn very high returns through speculating in stocks. I define stock speculation as an investment strategy of picking a relatively concentrated portfolio of individual stocks, usually 60 stocks or less, with the hopes of generating much higher returns than investing in the stock market as a whole through, say, like an index fund. I define much higher returns as returns that are at least double, but usually more than double the market as a whole. The statistical probability of making an unusually large amount of money from stock speculation is so low that you would likely have better luck in Las Vegas. In my opinion, 
Betting money on casino games, where the statistical odds of success are against you, does not make much financial sense. On the other hand, I also understand the entertainment value casino games can bring to gamblers. As long as you are only gambling the amount of money you can comfortably spend for a night out, what's the harm? After all, a casino can be really fun. And who knows, you may defy the odds and come out ahead. I feel the same way about stock speculation. To stake your financial stability on stock speculation is foolish. However, some people love to pick stocks and they hope to beat the odds. As long as you are sizing your bets appropriately in the context of your entire financial picture and future plans, then I say have at it. If you are a person who loves picking stocks, then do it properly by using a strategy that maximizes your already low odds of success. Finally, you should speculate with a clear understanding of how low your odds of success are in generating the spectacular returns that you have been dreaming about. In this investing insight, I'm going to show you how an investor could have turned $300,000 into $272 million, why you should not try to do that yourself, and if you must speculate in the stock market, how to maximize your already low odds of success. So I bet you're wondering, how do you turn $300,000 into $272 million? Well, investors are naturally attracted to outlier investing results. This attraction is similar to when a gambler hits a jackpot on a slot machine, causing bells and sirens to go off. All the bystanders believe that they too could hit a jackpot and they begin to dump their money into the slot machines at an even faster clip. Gamblers and speculators believe that outlier results are more likely to be repeatable than they really are in reality. Of course, the odds of any other gambler in the casino hitting the jackpot have not changed and the odds of winning a jackpot is still terribly small. Amazon is the investing version of the slot machine. If you had invested $300,000 in Amazon at its IPO in 1997, your initial investment would be worth $272 million today. That is a cumulative return of 90,613%. Now, in order to achieve these investing results, you would have had to find an obscure online bookseller, then predict that they would expand into the largest online retailer in the future as a thing called e-commerce became the primary method of shopping for consumers. Now, assuming you did all this and you picked Amazon on its IPO day, you would have then have had to hold on to the stock through some jaw-dropping losses. So for example... In 1999, your initial investment of $300,000 would have already been worth more than $13,184,379. However, over the next few years, you would have needed to patiently watch your new fortune dwindle down to just $914,241 between March of 1999 and September of 2001. Few people 
can sit there and watch that amount of money disappear without reacting and selling. Now, I have showed you the Amazon example for two reasons. The first is to demonstrate that fortunes can be made in a stock. The second is to show you that making a fortune in a stock is like winning the jackpot or even the lottery. Most often, the investors that realize these types of returns are the founders themselves. They have different incentives to hold on to their stock than the average investor. And most importantly, they are investing in themselves. They have control of the company and are trying to realize their vision. And this makes it much easier to hang on through hard times. Investors who want to gamble, quite honestly, have a better chance of starting a company with their own capital instead of investing in someone else's. The greatest fortunes in the world, almost without exception, have been created by founders of highly successful businesses where their entire net worth was invested in their company. In other words, great fortunes are created through extreme concentration. Now that we've talked about the Amazon example and your interest may be piqued as far as speculating in stocks as those numbers are quite attractive. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about what I call the speculator's dilemma. Diversification is a great risk management tool for investors, but diversification is the reason why speculators chasing the huge life-changing returns rarely, if ever, succeed. Diversification is mysterious, and research clearly shows that when deciding how much diversification you should have in terms of how many individual stocks you should own, you essentially have two choices if you believe in probabilities. To maximize your odds of investing success, you should either have virtually no diversification or nearly total diversification, meaning you need to own nearly all the stocks in the market. Now, the problem with these two choices is that they are corner solutions and the likely outcomes between virtually no diversification and nearly total diversification could not be more different. So I'll cut to the chase. Since we're talking about how to speculate in stocks with the goal of earning returns at least twice those of the total market, you only have one choice, virtually no diversification. Total diversification will earn you close to the historical average return of the stock market over the long run because you own the entire stock market. Because you own the market you are trying to outperform, Dramatic outperformance that speculators pursue is impossible. Stocks have earned a long-run average return of less than 10% a year. These are good returns, but not life-changing, like owning just Amazon and generating a 90,000% return since 1997, which is the embodiment of a stock speculator's dream. So what about a happy medium level of diversification? Somewhere between five to 60 individual stocks. Most speculators choose this modest level of diversification and do not know that they have virtually eliminated their chances of earning very high returns. To demystify diversification and better understand why moderate diversification is not optimal, we need to get an understanding of the historical distribution of individual stock returns. What most people don't understand is that 
the majority of stocks do not pull their weight. And I promise this will be the only statistical jargon I use in this discussion, but it is important to know that the long-term distribution of individual stock returns have historically been what's called positively skewed. That means that large positive returns of a few stocks, think Amazon, compensate for the negative returns of the majority of the other stocks. In a great study by Hendrik Bessenbinder, he looked at the extent to which the long-term returns of individual stocks are positively skewed. The results are a warning to stock speculators. Bessenbinder looked at all the 25,300 companies that issued stock and have available data between 1926 and 2016, and his research found the following. Just five stocks, that's ExxonMobil, Apple, Microsoft, General Electric, and IBM, account for 10% of the total wealth creation between 1926 and 2016. Just 90 stocks, or one-third of a percent of all stocks, account for more than half of the total wealth creation between 1926 and 2016. The top returning 4% of companies, or just 1,092 of the 25,300 companies, accounted for 100% of the wealth creation between 1926 and 2016. And then finally, he found that less than half the stocks listed between 1926 and 2016 generated positive returns. So the bottom line that you should take away from that data is that just 4% of all stocks have been responsible for 100% of the wealth creation over the long term. The other 96% of stocks, when taken together, just match the returns of one-month treasury bills over the period of 1926 to 2016. This means the odds of picking, then holding one of a handful of stocks that will produce extremely high returns is very low. However, your odds of dramatic outperformance become even lower if you moderately diversify your portfolio. When creating a moderately diversified portfolio, assuming you do not get lucky and pick one or more of the few stocks that will generate dramatic performance, you have almost no chance of beating the market or generating unusually high returns because of the high probability that you'll be holding negative returning or average returning stocks in great abundance. It is, however, worth mentioning that the downside risk will be much lower because of the diversification. Now, on the other hand, let's say you get lucky and choose one or two of the top performing stocks. Moderate diversification will likely materially dilute the positive impact of the high returning stocks on the portfolio's total returns, leading again to less than life-changing results. Because of the very small number of stocks that have been responsible for the total wealth created in the stock market, by owning a moderately diversified portfolio, you systematically decrease your odds of producing spectacular returns because even if you pick a winner, the weight that that stock has in the portfolio may not be significant enough to make up 
for the much higher probability that you picked many losers. And this is why I call moderate diversification no man's land. Before I continue, I just want to remind you again what positive skew is. Positive skew simply means that a small percentage of stocks are responsible for the vast majority of market returns. So because of the positive skew of individual stock returns, you dramatically increase the odds of generating good returns, but not jackpot returns by opting to hold a nearly fully diversified portfolio of stocks. The positive skew of individual stock returns is so dramatic over the long term that to generate returns better than one month treasury bills, it is very important that you hold all or most of the highest returning stocks so that they can offset the returns of the large number of negative returning stocks in the market that will ultimately weigh down your performance. Since it is impossible to know which stocks will be the big long-term winners, moderate diversification is almost certain to result in poor returns because each added stock is essentially a random guess. And the odds of picking losers or regular stocks is so high that you will almost certainly be systematically beaten down by probabilities over time. Even if you get lucky and pick a few winners, the size of the allocation that you have to the best performing stocks is not likely to save your portfolio from mediocre results. The mystery of diversification is really a statistical math problem. The results of the analysis that we just reviewed of the distribution of individual stock returns illustrates that moderate diversification is a no man's land and those who wish to speculate are advised to avoid moderate diversification because your chances of success are basically eliminated by probabilities. For those investors who do not wish to speculate but instead simply seek decent returns, no man's land should also be avoided and you should accept market or close to market returns by owning a nearly or totally diversified portfolio of stocks. For the majority of investors who are not speculators, this discussion is very important for you as well. A large percentage of investment advisors and still much of the investment management industry focuses on investing in moderately diversified portfolios of stocks for their clients. If your portfolio holds mostly individual stocks or you own mutual funds, you are invested in no man's land. The most common investment strategy is trying to beat the market through a moderately diversified portfolio of individually selected stocks. Now, I've written in the past about my distaste for mutual funds, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. But it's important that investors understand that the positive skew of individual stocks is why the vast majority of mutual funds do not beat their chosen benchmarks. And they add excessive stock risk to a portfolio, which further inhibits the amount of wealth that you're likely to generate from investing over your lifetime. For those of you who are undeterred up to this point, now we get to the good part. How do you speculate in stocks? If you're one of those investors that just likes picking stocks, I completely understand. It can be fun to have a horse in the race. But before you start speculating, you need to consider a few things first. Your top consideration should be the percentage of your investable assets that you're going to use for speculation. 
the right number or the right percentage of assets depends completely on your wealth, your income, your future financial needs, and other factors. But risking no more than 10% of your investable assets on stock speculation seems reasonable to me. The remaining 90% or so of your investable assets should then be invested in a risk-minimizing, fully diversified portfolio. Also, if you wish to speculate, it can be beneficial to increase your savings rate to compensate for the added investment risk that you're going to be taking on through your speculation. Next, you need to decide your strategy for diversification and stock selection. The diversification problem is fairly easy because we've established that moderate diversification is a bad approach and that nearly complete diversification does not work for speculation purposes. I would recommend a portfolio of around three stocks. The stocks you select should be in different industries if possible. There is no right way to pick the individual stocks you select. However, I would recommend tying your fortune to companies that have a founder that you respect who's running the company and who has almost all their financial assets and therefore their financial fortunes tied to the business. While more established companies may have limited upside compared to new companies, I would not shy away from established businesses if you think their market position is ideal and the CEO plans to capitalize on the same market opportunities that you see. It is my opinion that your stock selection choices should be based primarily on your own fundamental analysis of a company, including its management, the competitive advantages and barriers to entry that it has going in its favor, and finally, your expectations for the industry in which the company operates. When trying to pick the big winners, I believe that scrutinizing financial statements does little to help you find an opportunity and really understand a company's future potential. After all, Amazon lost money for two decades and just recently began generating very small profits. You would not have picked Amazon based on their financials in 1997. You can also improve your odds of success in stock picking by investing in industries and companies where you have expertise and strong personal interest. Having a deep understanding of a specific industry, the companies within that industry and their positioning is a huge advantage. Just keep in mind, there is no wrong way to guess the future. So use any information or process that you think gives you the highest probability of success. Finally, you should plan to hold each stock for at least five years as stocks with the greatest growth potential can be very risky. And so you need to be able to stand by and accept possibly large losses during your investing horizon. I always recommend you put in some selling rules that will help you not react to short-term stock movements. The rules should probably be tied to management or significant changes within the companies that you think changes your investing thesis. Rules are only good if you follow them. So make sure to commit to following your own rules. Also, to prevent yourself from making poor decisions, keep in mind that you knowingly invested in a very risky strategy with a low probability of success and making many short-term changes to your portfolio will make success even less likely. So good luck and speculate responsibly. 
Thank you for joining me again this quarter. Don't forget to check out our new video series called The Five Secrets of High Performance Investing. You can find the link in the show notes or go to our website, threesummit.com forward slash secrets to access that video series now. If you enjoy our investing insights, please like our podcast. And as always, I love hearing from our listeners, so please never hesitate to contact me directly to talk about investing or any other financial topic on your mind. Take care, and I'll talk to you next quarter.